Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM, PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller, wrapping up our number two. We're with you guys on Stadium up until 6 o'clock Eastern Time, and uh, we'll be up with you until 7 o'clock Eastern Time here on You Better You Bet. A reminder, you can also listen to us on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205, YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports, and Twitch.tv slash Bet. QL. It's time to keep the baseball conversation going, though. We are joined now by Frank Stample at Roto underscore Frank, writer for CBS Fantasy, host of Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Frank, appreciate the time, man. Uh, so you are a big fantasy baseball player. Obviously, for people who might be new to it, who want to get involved, what would be like some tips that you have for people who are trying to look into get to a uh, into a fantasy baseball league? So I would say for anyone just trying to get into it now, play in a head-to-head points league because that is what's most like a fantasy football league. It's pretty obvious, right? Like you get points depending on what your players do in your lineup. You get points for singles, doubles, triples, home runs, stolen bases, walks. On the pitching side, strikeouts, innings pitched, uh, wins, quality starts. And it's, again, it's obvious. You're going up against one opponent each week. It's the most transferable from fantasy football. So if anyone's just trying to get in, I would say that's the least intimidating format, a head-to-head points league in fantasy baseball. If you want to take on a different type of approach and, and something that might require a little bit more strategy, a roto type league, which is the more traditional way to play fantasy baseball. Uh, you have 10 different categories and you're not facing just one opponent per week. It's a free play. You're going up against every other uh, manager in the league uh, throughout the course of the season. You're accumulating stats and you just want to build the most balanced roster as possible uh, in all different 10 categories. But that's a little bit more, um, I would say, tough. There's a little bit more strategy involved. If you want to hop in, I would say a head-to-head points league is probably the best way to do it. Frank, let's talk about your approach to drafting every year. Are there tiers in regards to the positions that you like to target, or is it simply just best player on the board? Yeah, so how much time do we have? Because this is a pretty tough question. <laughs> and obviously, uh, there, there's a lot of nuance involved as well. So I think it changes every year depending on the player pool and the environment. So a few years back, we had the juice ball hitting was way easier to find home runs and elite pitching was much more scarce. The environment has changed in the past couple of years, specifically last year, we saw more organic offense. That's what baseball wants nowadays. Uh, Stolen bases we saw were way up. There was the shift restrictions led to more hits, more runs scored. And obviously as a result, pitching was a little bit harder to find. I think it also changes depending on which format you play in. So again, If you play in a head-to-head points league, there's not really too much strategy. I think you could take best player available, and you're just trying to accumulate as many fantasy points as humanly possible. In that format, I would say to target hitters who bat in the top half of really good lineups because obviously they they earn more plate appearances, and obviously they have the opportunity for more counting stats. Runs, RBI, obviously hitting in a good lineup. If you play in a roto or a head-to-head categories league, you really just want to build as much balance as humanly possible. Uh, you want as many hitters that are can, can contribute in all five categories. So uh, that's going to be batting average, runs, RBI, home runs, and steals. And there are a bunch of those players that you could find in the early rounds. Obviously, the first round, Ronald Acuna, Julio Rodriguez. The second round, Ozzy Albies, Trey Turner. The third round, you see names like Francisco Lindor, Michael Harris. My advice in that format, again, is just try and find as many players that contribute across the board as humanly possible. 
Frank, obviously with spring training beginning in about a week or so, is there anything that you look for in those games? Are there some things that people can pull or is it kind of like preseason in, in the NFL? Yeah, so I think some people might tell you spring training doesn't matter. And in the most general sense, that's correct, right? Like the win-loss results, they really do, mat- do not matter at all in spring training. But there is a lot within the games and kind of behind the scenes that matters a ton for fantasy. So I'll limit this this discussion to five different things that I'm watching closely throughout spring training. Lineups, players returning from injury, prospects, pitcher velocity, and pitch mix changes. So with lineups, you specifically want to look out for anything that resembles an opening day lineup. For example, let's say the Yankees use what looks like their opening day lineup, the most likely players to be in that lineup. They use it 10 times throughout spring. And DJ LeMahieu leads off in all 10 of those games. That's a pretty good indication that he's going to be the leadoff hitter for the Yankees on opening day. Of course, things can change within the season. But I would say pay attention to to things like that in terms of lineups. Players returning from injury. I'm a Yankee fan. You might have noticed already. Uh, Let's stick with the Yankees because they're always hurt, right? So players coming back from injury. Carlos Rodon. I saw a report today that he hit 97 miles per hour in his first bullpen session. That's great news for a guy that was completely injury plagued uh, last year. And, uh, you know, obviously we're looking for him to bounce back and we know that he has a ton of talent. We've seen that in the past for prospects. We have a lot of big names that are competing for a roster spot. Most notably the Jacksons, Jackson holiday of the Orioles and Jackson Chorio with the Brewers. Now, if they perform well in spring training, there's a pretty good chance they're going to be on the opening day roster. And these guys are going Later on in drafts, I mean, outside the top 150 picks, they have massive upside. So if they perform well in spring, they're going to be on the opening day roster. The last two items, pitcher velocity and pitch mix changes, those things are a little bit harder to find just watching the game. So you're going to have to dig in a little bit, follow beat writers, look at their tweets, read their articles, because if you can find a pitcher, his fastball velocity is up two miles per hour compared to the previous year, or someone's throwing a new sweeper or a new splitter, That adds a new element of upside and projection that we didn't bake in in the past. So, uh, yeah, those are the things I'm looking for most in spring training. It's a lot, but, uh, yeah, you can can find some interesting things out there. I love it. Who are some of the sleepers in this year's draft, and are those sleepers potential dark horse MVP candidates or, you know, could impact maybe the, um, you know, the MLB in a different way? So I'll give you two hitters, two pitchers, and then I have a dark horse for each, uh, MVP and Cy Young. Two hitters I like this year, Jake Berger of the Marlins, who doesn't like a good burger, obviously, right? And Tyler O'Neill from the Red Sox. Uh, I actually love this Red Sox lineup. You wouldn't have guessed that based on being a Yankees fan, but Jake Berger last year hit 34 home runs, and he crushes the ball. He hits it extremely hard, 91.9 mile per hour average exit velocity that ranked in the 89th percentile last year. He got traded over to the Marlins midseason. He lowered his strikeouts tremendously once he joined the Marlins. So changes his approach. I think he can raise the batting average and still hit for a lot of power. He's a great fallback option at third base this year. Tyler O'Neill, you remember the name from the Cardinals the past couple of years. He has all the upside in the world. This dude is built like a professional wrestler. He has a lot of trouble staying on the field. Luckily for him, it's a contract year, and it just so happens there's data that supports players are more likely to play through injury and perform in contract year. So I do like Tyler O'Neill. I think his right-handed swing is optimized for Fenway Park as well. Two pitchers I like as sleepers. The aforementioned Carlos Rodon 
and a pitcher out of Seattle, Brian Wu, or as I like to call him, Brian Wu, for the wrestling fans out there. Uh, <laughs> Rodon's first year at the Yankees, it was a disaster, right? Anything that could go wrong did go wrong. Let's not forget, he performed like a top 10 starting pitcher over the course of two years, 2021 and 2022. Now his average draft position, he's outside of the top 40 starting pitchers. So obviously health is a huge fa factor there, but all the early reports have been good. If he could stay on the field, I think he has top 20, top 15 starting pitcher upside. You're getting him at a much lower cost this year. Brian Wu of the Mariners has a nasty fastball, had a higher swinging strike rate on his fastball last year than Spencer Striders. The Mariners also do a great job with their pitching development. You look at guys like George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, what they've done with those pitchers. I feel really good about Brian Wu and the way that he's trending. A dark horse MVP candidate, Ellie De La Cruz of the Cincinnati Reds, plus 8,000 on BetMGM. There's lots of volatility in the profile. He strikes out a lot. He also has ridiculous tools. We're talking about if he hits his 95th percentile outcome, 40-40 upside, 40-plus homers, 40-plus stolen bases. The NL Central is wide open this year. If he has a monster year and the Reds wind up winning that division, he could be in play for NL MVP. Dark Horse Cy Young candidate, I'm going to stick in the National League, Bobby Miller of the Dodgers. Everyone's eyes are going to be on Yoshinobu Yamamoto and Tyler Glass now. I get it. Those guys are awesome. They look like they're going to be, you know, in Yamamoto's case, a really, really good pitcher for the Dodgers and for fantasy baseball. Don't forget about Bobby Miller. I mean, this guy had legit prospect pedigree. He throws 99 miles per hour with the fastball. He has three amazing secondary pitches that he throws as well. I could see him taking a big step forward, but performing like a top 15, top 10 starting pitcher in the game, uh, and maybe even being the best pitcher on the Dodgers of the odds there, plus 3,500 on Bobby Miller. A lot of good stuff there from Frank. Uh, I want to ask you about the big news today that we got. Kyle Bradish, who was one of the best pitchers in baseball, certainly the second half of the season for the Orioles last year. He has a UCL injury, Frank, and it might be a long-term deal. What does that mean when you look at maybe how it affects some of the other starters in the Orioles rotation, how you view the Orioles long-term? What were your thoughts on Baltimore coming into the season, and does this Bradish injury change how you feel about them as a team and maybe some of the pitchers on their roster? Yeah, it's a bummer because we were talking beforehand. I liked Kyle Bradish a lot coming into this year. He has nasty breaking pitches. He changed his pitch mix last year, and obviously the results – you know, spoke for themselves. He was amazing last year for the Baltimore Orioles. I think what needs to happen next is we need to find out the severity. Maybe the Orioles already know that and they just haven't leaked that information yet. But if it's a small tear in the UCL, it's something that pitchers can pitch through. We saw with Masahiro Tanaka a couple of years back with the Yankees. He pitched for years with a small, small tear in his UCL and he was still really, really dominant. So there's a chance that Kyle Bradish could still pitch through this injury. But if it's a full tear or anything close to that, they probably need to go out and, and get Tommy John for, for Kyle Bradish now so that he's kind of ready for the start of next year or maybe a couple of months into next season as well. So it's a bummer for the Orioles. I mean, I wonder how long they knew about this injury because obviously they went out and traded for Corbin Burns. So if they had some inclination that this was coming or, you know, whatever, they probably did. That's probably why they went out and traded for Corbin Burns. So they're going to ask a lot of Bo uh, Burns entering a contract year. He's a Scott Boris client, so we know that he's going to make it to free agency. They're going to ride him. They're, you know, he, they're expecting 200-plus innings out of Corbin Burns this year. They're going to expect a lot out of Grayson Rodriguez as well. He was their top prospect last year, one of the best pitching prospects in the game. 
they probably need him to provide 175, 180 plus innings. We also got news of a John Means injury in the back half of that rotation today as well. So it just kind of pushes everybody up. Tyler Wells is going to be in that rotation. Cole Irvin, it does change the outlook for the Baltimore Orioles drastically. Yeah, certainly does. Big injury news there. He is Frank Stamfel at Roto underscore Frank, writer for CBS Fantasy, host of the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Frank, awesome stuff, man. Appreciate the time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Hour three, You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. On the way next, Isaac Trotter joins us to talk some college hoops. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network.